So I'm teaching Wilson how to detect extraterrestrials out there. I've been working on them for a couple months now quietly, not really saying anything because it's, you know, top secret and stuff. So I started out with my drone, started getting them used to like recognizing things in the air. And, you know, I did it at night, put some colors on there, some little chem lights and different things. I threw some sounds at them. So that way he understood, you know, there was this different kind of noises and things happening. Then I kind of went where it landed. It would give him a treat. Okay. So he, he would go and he would find what was going on and then he'll get a treat. So he's like recognizing it. So I have one more part and I'm going to need your guys help. I need some extraterrestrial essence so I can teach him to smell them. And then he'll associate their smell to getting a treat. Cause he's really good with, you know, the reward kind of deal. I don't know what they call it, but anyway, so I've been teaching him up and he's going to be an extraterrestrial detection dog. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a winner for me. You know, I, I almost thought of if, if I can't get the extraterrestrial essence that I need. So if you guys out there have something, you know, that, you know, comes from an extraterrestrial, you know, make sure you call 303-255-9999. Ask for Mike because he's going to be collecting these samples and say, you know, like the month, the most important, like what would be really cool is if you guys had some fecal matter out there. And, you know, extraterrestrial fecal matter. And then, you know, you can call Mike up and be like, dude, I got your shit. And you can give him this extraterrestrial stuff. And then that way there, I can start working with Wilson to get him used to smelling it, detecting it. And he'll be able to figure out where these things are landing. And we can go right at him. We can spend the night. You know, Denver's a hotbed. They wanted to do the... um, uh what was it, Board of Extraterrestrial Affairs or Alien Affairs. So, they, you know, there's a bunch of stuff going on. There's like a big Bigfoot network here, aliens. We, we have it all, especially with our, you know, DEI, DIA, the, um, the airport, you know, because that's an alien hotbed over there. So definitely get a hold of Mike and tell him what alien stuff you have because if I can't get that, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of rework uh, Wilson's education I'm going to make him a ghost detector. So what I'll do is I'll go out there. I'll get like some, you know, dust bunnies and stuff and I'll let him smell it and different things. And we'll, we'll work him on detecting undetectable movement. So that'll be my next thing is he'll be like, you know, the, the ghost detector. If the alien matter doesn't show up, you know, anything, a scrap of clothes, a piece of hair, even though that like most aliens don't have hair, but you know, especially like I said, if you can find that, but call Mike up. And say, hey, Mike, man, I got your your alien essence that Frank needs for Wilson so he can learn how to uh, detect aliens. You know, right now we got him with UFOs, but we got to get him on the ground. You know, the whole first encounter, second, we need, you know, close encounter of the third kind detection. We could do the first and second. That's no problem. It's the third, you know, and then from there we can flip the script on him. And the fourth kind won't be us getting abducted. It'll be us abducting them. So we'll nail them. You're listening to the Everyday Sniper, and you got Frank from Sniper's Hide here. Uh, had some really great interviews. We had the stuff with Jim. We had uh, the one from EOTech with Aaron, and that was a fantastic interview. We're, guys, really, I got some great feedback from um, all of them. You know, everybody's stepping up to help Jim out, and, and you know, we're, we're hoping the best of luck for for Jim and and what's going on there. You know we're big Prime fans, 
And the attention that he got, I think you're going to see a monster positive happen. He's gotten some really good feedback. He's gotten some companies reach out to him. So um, I think this is going to come through on the other side in a really positive kind of way, which is great, man. That's that's what we're looking for. But I want to say that that EOTech um, guys like love the red dot versus hollow site, the hologram versus uh, LED and I just want to thank the companies. The only thing with the with the interviews, it kind of takes me off my game. I get into this sit back and just kind of be the moderator of the, the question and answer, the Q&A session. And, and it sort of, you know, detaches my head from like, oh, I got to do the podcast and this and, and, and all that. And I was out this weekend and a um, couple days, did some range maintenance and stuff. We got the classes are starting up. So I have a class next week. And, and so I was getting ready for that. I went and revamp that classroom. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it and spoke about it. I, I bought an outdoor screen so for the PowerPoint and everything for inside the uh, the box there. And um, it was too big. It was actually longer than I like. I was like, I need an outdoor screen. And they're like, here's your screen. I'm like, hey, that's great. It's a Connex box. And you know, what are the odds you're going to get a screen too big? Well, I got a screen that was like two inches too big. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So uh, this weekend, I went when I was out at the range. I actually took the screen apart and just took the screen part, the, the material out of that aluminum frame or steel frame casing, whatever. You remember in school, you used to lift it up and then hook it to the the uh, attachment. Well, I, I took it all apart and then kind of cut it up a little bit and put it on the back wall. And I really like it. I got to make it a little more permanent because I was by myself and and it was tough, man, trying to hold this dang thing up across an entire connex and, and all that but I, I got it up and working I redid the classroom and I think that's going to work out great for everybody uh, for this next block of classes going to do some things different I tested a few things I shot a video uh, with the online training lesson a lot of guys going into the upgrade on snipers hide forum so you go into the forum right at the top in the navigation you'll see one that says upgrade and a lot of members are part of the online training uh, lessons that we do. And I did another lesson. I actually did two. And one of them, the audio, I'm learning the new camera. I dig the look of the new camera, man. I really like working with it. I got to go back because I got to do my audio a little bit different. Because these are like pretty much pro-level cameras. Your audio has got to be separate. And then with the wind and everything. So I, I kind of reboot my box together. And I've been, you know, you do a lot of test stuff, a lot of test footage and, and hey, how's this going to look and how's that going to look? And oh, I don't know, what, what's it going to look like? So I went out there and I was shooting some stuff. I redid some rifles. I, um, as I mentioned in the in the lesson and, and you guys, if you're part of the online training lessons, I got a Lothar Walther. In case you guys don't know out there, I mean, out of Georgia, they're, they're the European, but they have a Georgia connection and there's a thing they do. OEM aftermarket barrels they do they're mainly OEM you know what I mean they're they're, they're a big OEM guys use Lothar Walter if you remember the old LaRue uh the OBRs originally before he started doing his own those were Lothar Walter barrels and, and Sniper's Hide had a long long time relationship with Lothar Walter uh, I, I had some rifles done with their barrels and stuff uh, back in the day and then you know the, 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 the wheels turn, the cycle rotates, you know, as the UFO will spin and, and, and that kind of stuff. But uh, that was funny. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I'm talking with those guys. So I'm at shot and been grabbing barrels and talking to them. And I put the, they have an AI spec, you know, 
aftermarket barrel. So I said, oh, yeah, you know, that's the best way to go. Spun right up, put it on. So I'm working with it. Uh, got some good numbers out of it. Uh, 147s are going 2,700 feet per second even. Uh, put on a uh, Insight Brakes, the Heathen, the new Heathen brake with the Multi-Cal. I've posted on my Instagram and Facebook if you want to go look. So Insight Arms, uh, the guys out of Canada, I did a class with them. Really great guys, uh, big comp shooters, uh, you know. They're they're definitely north of the border there. The you know, those they're they're my favorite guys to deal with next to Kadex. And um they have a new uh brake insert. So what they did is they took their heathen brake. And rather than saying, here's a brake that's been machined and everything for 30 cal, here's a uh, six five, here's a two two three. What they did is they threaded the end and made steel inserts. So now you can just swap it out with a little tool. And I love their brakes. Their brakes are really good looking. They're effective. I, I've still, I totally dropped the ball on my brake thing. I got to get, uh, you know, my head out of my butt and get that stuff done. And that's got to be a priority. But what I did is I um, I went over and put the Lothar Walther on and took it and actually I zeroed up and changed scopes. I, I put the uh, Night Force 5 to 25 attacker on. I'm going back into all my Night Forces. And like I said earlier, I'm kind of putting my things back to normal where it's going to stay this way. Where I'm not constantly pulling shit apart. And although the barrel, what are you going to do? You know, you got to test stuff. And so anyway, I, I put that barrel on. I, I ran some numbers, got 2,700 feet per second with the 147s, almost 2,900 with the 130s. And then, I, you know, I, I started filming. And, and unfortunately, this one lesson that I did, the, the, the audio kind of cut out halfway through or I had it pointing the wrong way because I did put it down range at some point. I just didn't even point it at me or something. So I, I, but I got the lesson done on looking at the BC in the truing and using JBM, you know, cause what I can do is I take my 2,700 feet per second and then I say, okay, I need 5.5 mils at 800 yards. Well, I can go into JBM and then say, all right, what's 5.5 mils at 800 yards with all these, uh, information then I look at the ending muzzle velocity and there's time of flight there too because you could do it either way. And so I'll take that muzzle velocity and it was 1874 at 800 yards. Go to JBM's BC calculator and it was twofold. My numbers were pretty good. I, I only have to move it to match up the curve the way this rifle is. The, 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 the whole thing really likes the software, okay? So... If I put in all my data it right out of the magneto speed and everything is telling me 2,700. If I go to JBM to get the 800 yard to line up, I only need 2,675, okay? So 2,675 gets me there. Now I got two choices. I could go that muzzle velocity, which 25 feet per second change, not a big deal, lined up, simple, I'm done. Or I could play BC. And if I put that starting and finishing, now you got to put the velocity I read, which is 2,700, not the corrected to get 5.5. But correcting it and getting 5.5 gives me 1,874. I put all that into JBM and I get the, instead of 0.351 for a BC, 0.351, I get 335. So now I can either go 335 or I can go 2,675. 
It's you know what I mean? It's it's six and one half, but it's two different ways to skin that cat. Now, as we've mentioned, I like the idea of tweaking the BC at 800 over the muzzle velocity. I've read that muzzle velocity. Now, that said, a 25 per, foot per second change is not a big deal. If that was change at 125 feet per second, 100, you know, then you're kind of getting into like, ooh, 100, that's a little too much. 25, I'm good with. 125, not so much. I'm going to do BC. But remember us going back to this BC, the wind, and the whole thing. And and this lesson, I talk about your barrel as your fingerprint, okay? Your barrel is the fingerprint of your rifle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be waxing, philosophical, poetic, and with it. Anyway, so the barrel is your fingerprint, okay? The steel, that's number one. Okay, got a Lothar Walther barrel here. It, it, it's the steel they use. Was it harder, softer? Was it consistent? And when that tool is coming through and cutting, is it cutting at a consistent rate of speed? Or is it like soft, hard, hard, soft, soft, hard, and changing it? So that's where you'll get minor variations in twist rate, Okay. Well, then it's the tool. How sharp was the tool for that particular barrel? Because that's going to, you know, kind of, is it cut really nice? Is it this? Is it a little weaker, a little better? What's your landing groove style, right? If 5R, 5P, 5C, 4, 3, what, what is your twist, you know, your lands and grooves? What is your twist rate? That's, that's two different big elements right there, Okay. Well, then we got to throw muzzle velocity behind it. Every barrel is slightly different. How was it chambered? You know, what's it going to shoot? The factory ammo. I put this bullet in. I get one number. I put another bullet in. I get another number. So then that's going to matter. Now, and I also just mentioned heathen break, right? Put a heathen break on it. Well, is that break giving it a nice, clean path to fly through? Or... Is there a little bit of turbulence up front there that the bullet has to go through and now it's tipping that nose a little bit, right? Is the nose clearing through the dust cloud or is it catching that turbulence and taking that little bit extra to kind of straighten out? We don't know. We got to figure that. Then lastly, you got your run out, right? Your, your bullet run out. How centered and perfect is it getting that initial spin? When it if it doesn't kind of center and perfect and the runout's wangy, it'll it'll fly like out of balance, right? If it's centered really good and you got low runout, well now it's gonna come out straight and the BC's gonna be higher because it's staying straighter, quicker, longer, however you wanna look at it. You know, as soon as it comes out, it's nice and straight. It doesn't have to self-correct with a little bit of speed. Okay, so all these factors go into that. Every one of those things controls your BC. So, you know, it's it's not uncommon for somebody to be like, my muzzle velocity, okay, we're going to change it. And they'll just, they'll run a number, they'll buy a chronograph. You know, it doesn't matter what they bought, they bought a chronograph. And as soon as they get a number, they're all too happy to start changing it. Well, the sky screen didn't read this well. Well, this didn't do that. Well, that did that. How did this? What's the sensitivity? Oh, it could be wrong. Your chronograph is, but then we test them and they're like, great. So, BC, man, that's why we go because then that controls your wind speed. That controls all that when you put it into the calculator. That's the number the, the, the ballistic calculator is going to use 
plus with the muzzle velocity and everything else. So don't be afraid to tweak it. Don't fall down that hole of everybody going, oh, it's marketing hype. It sucks. Like go to Hornaday's website and read about their transition to Doppler. Okay. Read about that. And that should be a key element for you guys to go and look at it and to see what Hornaday's saying. And now they give you those three numbers, that 2.5 mock, that 2.0, and then that 1.5 mock number. They're giving you that different set of numbers because farther you shoot, the more you know important this changes become. That's that's a that's another part of it. it, it it's you know, they, we used to shoot inside the 800. Now we're shooting beyond 800 and even farther. So that, you know, these numbers now have to start scaling and changing based on the distances. When we shot, you know, when when 400 was long range and 6 and 8 were like, wow, you shot that far? That's crazy. You know, they used 300 as an average. Now, like Hornaday uses that 800 as an average. So that that's something to look at. And uh, also, too, I'm going to go and... Um, get in here and I want to get caught up with some of the Podbean app. I hadn't even mentioned we, we crossed over huge numbers. I think 3,500 plus subscribers, which is gigantic. We haven't done any shout outs to like the world lately. Um, and, and so I, I want to go into the app and, and grab some of this stuff because we do get great feedback and thank you guys for going on to the Podbean app and, um, you know, commenting that I think that's going to be huge. Like we said, that's a that's a um, um, metric that they look at how many people comment. And so the more you go on the app and comment and even throw something out there. But uh, there's definitely some comments here and I'll back up a little bit and, and see where I am. Oh, OK. So this was a good one. This this actually was a comment that came in on the pod being questioned and, and it, it was um, right there. So uh, before I go down, um the uh, now nah, I'm gonna just go with this question. So anyway, so I got Drew. Okay, Drew wants to know question on muzzle velocity, which goes right into what we were just talking about. So Drew has a question about uh, muzzle velocity. It says question on muzzle velocity: What's too slow and what's too fast? Considerations are barrel life, time of flight. For argument's sake, let's say I want to just shoot competition and I'm um, practicing on a 1K range. Is there a sweet spot? What's the starting point? Um, well, if you're a competition guy, fast is better. I mean, other up to the speed limit. They have a speed limit for targets. So let's go into that, the rules first of it. Most competitions out there, especially if they have steel targets. Now, this won't be a factor in F-Class or bench rest, but it is in what we do. We have a speed limit of 3,200 feet per second because... It wrecks steel and, and all that other stuff, okay? So that's why they'll, and depending on how close you are, it, it'll it'll mess things up. So 3,200 feet per second is the speed limit for competition for steel plates. You can go faster in the other comps, but then you got to start looking at the rules. Now, barrel life, just what you said. Where is that point of diminishing returns? Now, when you go into that 3,200 feet per second, it's not uncommon to be less than 2,000 rounds of barrel life. So I don't think there is a too fast. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some rounds out there that probably go more. I don't know with the Prairie Dog, like the 204s. And I don't know how many rounds you get out of a barrel with one of those things. It's just not something I would need Adam or Mike here to tell me. Because uh, I know like Randy shoots them things and, and I just don't do it. So I don't have like in my back pocket. I have to look it up. 
and and I'm not going to look it up right now, but I don't think there's a you can be too fast other than you have to look at, you know, there there's there's a trade-off. Speed reduces barrel life, right? So for me, if I start to go under or at 2000 rounds for a barrel life, now I'm into the like, eh, this is the point of diminishing returns for me. As we've mentioned dozens of times, barrels are tires, barrels are tires. You know, that that it, it's it's something that we we um you know you're gonna change out, but why do you want to change it out that often? So if you have something that like only gives you like 800 to 1200 rounds of barrel life and that stuff's out there. You know, you're dumping a ton of powder and everything through it. It, it, I'm not a fan. You know what I mean? I know there are guys that think that's the faster, the better, and and there's that school of thought. But for what we do, 6.5s, even the 338s and stuff, where's the sweet spot? 2,850 feet per second. Okay, that's kind of like a sweet spot. Don't get me wrong, faster is better. But your 2850 is going to be like a sweet spot for like a 308. You know, you can say that 27, 2750 is is a little better. But your average factory round is 26 to 2650 hand loads. Your 27 to 28, you're, you're in that better sweet spot for performance. But getting there is not as easy. You know what I mean? 2650 is an easy number. So you have to look at the caliber. You have to look at what the barrel life is going to be and where it's going to end up, you know, and, and then you have to see where you're going to fall. What's too slow? Yeah, I'll throw you two slow numbers. You start going under 2,500 feet per second, you're too slow. And in fact, 2,550 to me is too slow. You know, if like with the 147s, okay, I'm getting 2,700 feet per second out of it. If I correct it, I'm at 2,675. That's a good number for just not having to push it factory round. If that was 2550 or, you know, I'd be like, ah, I'm wasting my time. You start looking at like my Gladius, all right? The, the one that Chris Kyle made famous, the Gladius rifle, 18 inch 308. For most rounds, because that's a tight bore 308, it averaged 2,600 feet per second. It's doable, it's consistent, it's accurate, it's a good round with that 175 going. 2600 feet per second with some rounds depending on them it's like 2575 still doable and okay to me once you start getting below 2500 feet per second you're wasting your time big time even like i said 2550 nowadays way too slow if i start doing anything below that 26 nah, that's not a good number man so even now, like the 338, we see these guys struggling with the 300 grain bullets. Number one, 300 grain was not meant for the 338 Lapua. Okay, it's just too heavy. That's why I, I, I we kind of tell people the 285 is a better number. You want to be just below that three, unless you go long, hard powders, different than that. If you got a 300 grain bullet over 2800 feet per second with 2850 being the sweet spot. You're in good shape. The bullet will work as advertised, okay? Once you start going down that 2750, yeah, you're closer in numbers will be fine because it's just a number, but then you're not going to see the results downrange that everybody's trying to get. 
yeah, man, inside 1,000, inside 1,500, it's fine. It's beyond that number that we want to start going more. So, yeah, if you're just shooting your normal ranges somewhere and you only have access to 1,000 yards and your 300-grain bullet is going 2,700, you're fine, man. That ain't no big deal. But if you want to take it to mile and beyond, you're you're way too slow now. You're, you you need to be up. Yeah, you can probably get lucky and float a few out there, and, and you'll get some hits. I mean, of course you will, but at the same time, I think you need a little bit bigger number. So it's it's really kind of a dependent on what's the starting point. For me, I would say be over 2,600 feet per second. And then if you're going to shoot comp, your 3,200 is your speed limit. With a 6.5, 260, something variant that way, 28.50 is your, is your kind of money spot. And then for your 308s, 26.50 to 2,700 is, is like your sweet spot. Um, another awesome pants is the piranhas. Yep. Somebody's talking about the clothes and then that Farfanugan one that has the Fox on it. Um, knee pads and different things. There's a bunch out there. Uh, somebody said they were annoyed about wind. Love the vids. Sorry for the hate. Yeah. Get me more. Some guy told me I was a fucking monkey and it was all this shit. Uh, just this weekend came on to the Valkyrie video. It was like, make the target bigger. It's like, that's a fucking spec target, dude. Eat a dick. Um, so then here we got, what do we got going on? So question on muzzle velocity. And then we got, uh, preach. I want to shoot a match, but I'm working too much. My belief is, uh, the, uh, they may not like the messenger, but the content. Yeah. I talked to spoken about the ND stuff. So Laura reached out to me. Laura was the RO. I, I got to get her on. And I, and I told her she can come on. And she actually was like, dude, what the hell? Why don't you let me on your podcast before you talked about it? I was the RO. I was there. I could tell you what was happening. And, and so I'm going to not necessarily put words in Laura's mouth. I'd rather let her come on and talk about it because she is a competitor. Uh, she's with Robert Brantley, King of Two Mile guy, right? Um, I've known, like I said, Laura for a while. And she shoots. She ROs a lot because she'll go to the different events with Manners and those guys. So she, she, she's been around the block and sees it. And from her perspective, it was – she was what, – what her takeaways were um, – one, there was a lot of people watching and nobody said anything. Okay, so that was one element of it. Uh, two, it, the, the, the after the fallout really got to them as ROs. She had a young girl that was running the computer for her. So this young girl was working into the, you know, facing the tablet. Laura's on glass. There was another, you know, some a bunch of other people on glass watching, and people saw this, and, and that was the biggest bitch is that they saw what happened and nobody said anything. But um, when the fallout happened, you, you it really takes a chunk out of the, or it takes the wind, I should say, out of the RO sales. The ROs are getting less and less recognized, um, you know, prize-wise and all these different comps. There's a RO shortage, whether you want to realize this or not. This is why we've kind of gotten here because there is an RO shortage. And she just want to acknowledge that, that a lot of the hate that went out there towards them and what was going on, really, that was the first time RO, the young girl with her, she don't want to do it again and she don't want to come back. So think about the consequences. Think about the bigger picture. I'm going to try to get her on. And and I have a couple other interviews lined up, like I said. But she reached out to me. And, and she just really didn't want, like, the hate in her direction. And I told her it wasn't about her. So that's something that comes on. 
Um, what is this? Interesting take from the normal Marine Corps guest, which is your background makes sense. Being Army vet myself, it's nice hearing another Army vet. Yeah, really good feedback on Staff Sergeant Keaton's uh, podcast. He's definitely up there. And, and if you hadn't listened to the Staff Sergeant's podcast, I highly, highly recommend it. I'm drinking my coffee. Okay, finished listening to the podcast on my way to work. Made a donation to Jim's cell number. Thanks, Doc. Um, but, uh, uh, right. Great topic. They should add another rule for failing to report an ND. Maybe DQ for the next three matches. Um, There's a great, this, I should go look. It's a huge, huge. So the ND talk, okay. The thread on Sniper's Hide is still going. And I'm going to go over to it and, and look right now. I'm going to, I got my phone here. Let me see if it comes up. All right. Let me get how many pages and stuff I'm at. All right, here we go. Let's see how many pages this has gone up to. What the heck? My phone is acting all goofy. Uh, there we go. All right, so what pages are? What page number are we up to? Eleven. Okay, so there's eleven pages of discussion in just that one ND thread. Okay, eleven pages, and and there's some really good comments on there and uh, one of the guys from south texas um d thomas he goes on on there he's a uh, officer he's a competitor shoots all shoots everything down there and he's he's really really been around the sport for a while and knows what he's talking about and and we're having these discussion 11 pages of discussion and you're probably like 50 comments a page so just to give me an idea of this topic's not dying it's he he brought up the comment that maybe that misses should be more points lost, you know that there has to be a a um you know a hit matters so much. Well, how about if we put value on a miss where you lose a point, so that way there you're not so apt to just touch something off and to be so cavalier on the triggers that are already way too light. And it's funny because Laura was listening to it and, and laughed at me because her game rifle has an 8-ounce trigger. So she was saying stuff about that, and, and, and I thought it was pretty funny. But it, it, it's there, if you go in, like I said, there's 11 pages, about 50 posts per page, and it's really hard to kind of summarize all of that. There are some great great lessons and takeaways and things that can help the sport being proposed. Unfortunately, none of us are in a position to change it beyond what we do ourselves. Okay. So, you know, this idea of maybe if this is series has gotten to where it is, if people are doing well, a point missed matter. You know what I mean? Something to where there's a penalty when you, you, you don't hit the target and, and, you know, there's because Laura brought up a great point and, and we hadn't really looked at this as much, but guys being a rev off, I don't think it's an issue like it used to be. But her question is, we she does see it. Guys will come up, you know, they shoot a stage, they shot a thousand yards. Yay, going to shoot a thousand yards. And, and they do it. Well, then they go back to their friend. They high five. I nailed it. Ten inch plate. Yeah, I'm the guy. You know, so then. What happens is they get talking, they walk over to another stage, they get up on it, and they got their 1,000-yard dope on. And sometimes, depending on where they are, they may add in, say they're going to shoot 400. They may add 400 to that 1,000, you know? 
or they just have the thousand and think they already did it. They're, they're socializing and not paying attention. And the round sails clear over the berm. Okay. Well, that could be a, a safety problem depending on the range. Okay. What's your SDZs? What's your, what's your impact area look like? How, you, you, like I said, skips are bad, but going over a berm can be just as bad. And, and, and that's one of those things. The field matches that don't have berms tend to have more land, you know, the 1,000 to 2,000 to 5,000 acre plus. The square ranges with berms, they're catching rounds usually for a reason. You know, you're only like at that 100 acre in the cores, the K&Ms and the, you know, the Altus kind of places. So when you look at that acreage, you need to hit the berm. And so that's a good question that's come up uh, about, um, you know, what do you do with NDs? I, I really do think it needs to be addressed. And, and I don't want to be that guy dictating, but I don't mind throwing out some ideas. Where's Mike? Oh, man, you're getting on him. B. James wants to know, where's Mike? We need some more installments of Mike's phone act. Mike's, Mike's, Mike's got like banker son's hours, man. You know, Mike rolls in. Eh, I might want to do a podcast today. That's why you got to call him and talk to him about the alien fecal matter. In uh, 303-255-9999 and say, hey, man, where is Mike? We don't know where Mike disappeared to. Mike. Mike's not on the mic. So uh, whatever happened to the levels episode? I don't know what the levels episode was. What what was that? I'm kind of confused on what the levels episode was. I'd have to go back and look and see what I said. I mean, we I'm stream of consciousness, man. So, uh, you know, for me, it's kind of tough to remember what the hell I said sometimes. Anyone know episode, Red Episode recently talked about muzzle brakes and accuracy? No, I don't even know what that is. I'd have to look. Outstanding interview. Thanks again. That was for Aaron. Uh, would be here thoughts. On, oh, Mile High uh, Seekins Liquidation. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. I'm Glenn's a friend of mine. I dig Glenn. I didn't. It's not a product issue. It's a personality issue. Mike can address that if he wants to. Let's just say it has nothing to do with the product. And um, there was there was a little bit of clash of personalities, and rather than sorting it, they decided to divorce. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even talk about it. <laughs> you know, be interested in the um yeah. Somebody also just can't. Would also be interested in hearing the what's and why's. Like I said, all you need to know it's not a product issue. Personality, it's personality personality can we get a podcast or interview highlighting yeah i talked to sean at night force they want to talk about night force nra is coming up as soon as night force is done with nra i will get sean on the phone and get night force on the line um to do the podcast i saw sean was out here just last week he was at mile high going over the new products with those guys there's a bunch of new stuff coming out for nra and um so uh, I will talk to Sean after the fact. I'm not going to bust anything out prior to NRA. But um, what happened to Fundamental Fridays? Dude, we've been giving you fundamentals every time. And honestly, this last e emphasis on safety, safety is a fundamental. Okay, safety is a basic foundation to what we do. So look at my safety rants as being a fundamental rant, Okay. Um, yeah, we, we, we've talked the fundamentals. We, we've made sure you've gone through and we had somebody comment on the follow throughs and the different things. I think that's the next comment. Um, they want to hear, uh, ideas to be the most engaging, helpful. Dude, I think I give tips. What is this guy? He says, I want to hear 
You guys, uh, I found your guys' breakdown helpful of shooting tips and ideas to be the most engaging. I kind of thought we did it every single time, but I, I, I try not to just, you know, go on to other than interviews, the Jim interview and the Aaron interview. That's one thing. But when I'm talking or Mike's talking, I kind of thought we did throw tips and tricks out there with, with most of it. Um, that has to be the best explanation of the difference between a red dot and holographic sight system that I've ever heard. None of the company reps I've spoken to could lay it out as clear as that. Thanks for another great podcast. So Aaron, that's for you. Thanks for uh, that. I really do think your explanation was fantastic. Okay. And who's this, uh, WX nine Q Q whatever. He's got some crazy deal. So, huh. All right. Thanks for all the great info, Mike and Frank. Why does Mike get top billing? Okay, he's done like four episodes. <laughs> Thanks for all the great info, Mike and Frank. I went to the range yesterday and was really focusing on my fundamentals, pulling the rifle into my shoulder and follow through. Follow through the forgotten fundamental. Woo, woo, woo. He smells an alien. Fuzz smelled an alien, man. I, I heard it too, buddy. He's out there in the clouds. Can't see him because it's raining out. Um. So anyway, hang on. I'm almost done, Fuzz. He, he wants some more training, man. Okay, he says, uh, I noticed a huge difference. Immediately noticed a huge difference. Not only did my group size shrink at 300 and 400, that's the longest range I have access to right now, but I also noticed that I was seeing the bullet impact on steel at 300, something that I'd never been able to do before. Before, my recoil was always pulling me off target, and I was trying to find it as the bullet was hitting. Thanks again for all your hard work and sharing your knowledge. I hope I'm able to attend the class in the future. Guys, the classes are there. Mile High Shooting Outdoors. Mile High Shooting Outdoors is the website. They fixed it. It's up and working. The classes are listed. Everything else is sort of full right now. Uh, the Minnesota is going to have some opening, but that's going to their members right now. And guys are signing up as members. Once the members get their 30 days, next week I'm going to announce where you can sign up for that class. But the Mile High classes are available. And... Really, you know, that's the key element of it is is focusing on those fundamentals and practicing. And at, oh, oh, I'm dropping my phone at 300 yards. I want to make this point. I'm knocking everything down. My shit's falling. So here's here's a good good comment on that. And and uh, I'm glad he brought it up that he could see his impacts at 300 yards. Three and 400 yards is where like 400 is probably that middle ground of time of flight. If you're starting to see your impacts at three and 400 yards, you're doing a good job, okay? That's where your time of flight is still, it's there, it's happening. You start to see external elements take effect. So if you can spot your own splash between three and 400, that's the key point because that's the point in the beginning of your bullet's flight where all these variables we start talking about start to accumulate, okay? And they start to become visible depending on the caliber, the shooter, etc. okay? So when you're practicing that three, 400 zone to see your own impact, that's a good place to do it. So uh, definitely thanks for those comments. Keep the comments coming. Uh, we do have this section on the Sniper's Hide Forum that will uh, let you comment and, and make things. We have the training there and all that, but it, it's it's definitely a fun time. I know Mike and those guys, they went and shot. I was filming this weekend. 
They went and shot. Uh, they did a local 22 match up here, and Adam won it, and Mike came in third. He didn't say who was in second. But uh, Green Mill, I was going to go, but I have to film. I've been trying to get stuff done. And now that the weather's breaking, we, we're past these little, you know, bomb, cyclone, snowstorm crap. Uh, there's still, it's pretty funny, you know, the, the, the temperature goes up and there's still snow out at the range, but um, not much, just in those shadows. Anyway, yeah, so Mike and those guys were at the 22 event on Saturday at Green Mill up here, which is right behind Mile High, not too far away. And then I was out at our range, uh, like I said, doing some maintenance and then shooting the training videos and getting my stuff all sorted out for the classes in the upcoming weeks and, and doing some more. I got I got a couple other things that I'm going to do and, and some stuff we're going to talk about, uh, um, some some lessons learned and, and different things. But back in the saddle, back in jumping it, getting myself restarted repurposed, retasked, and ready to go. We got Fuzz over here. He, he, he's right here. He's, he's getting he's getting spun up on the extraterrestrial detection, you know, program that I got working for him. And, and like I said, I'm going to, I'm looking to you guys to get me some extraterrestrial matter so I can get him the smells and, and get him all worked on. Got to get, got to start working on his nose. Got to start working on the nose, man. The nose, nose. All righty. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the Everyday Sniper. Keep your comments and questions coming. Uh, we'll go through, and, and when I get these kind of gaps in between the interviews and between the different things we're doing, I'll go through and read them and answer them. We'll have a little bit of Q&A. I can do. I got to get a couple guys. I, I have that phone and the new call-in, and because the system's working, we've mentioned this before. I kind of want, you know, to, to do like a, an, a, like a day where I have – like 15 minutes of somebody calling in who's a listener. You know, kind of going to the old school AM radio. Hey, you got Frank on the line. Who are we talking to today? You know, that kind of stuff. I think that would be pretty funny to, to do a call in. And, and because I got this kind of spare phone that's not my real phone, I can give out that number. And, and, and if you call me, I won't answer it. So... <laughs> So that, that'll be cool, man. But no, uh, definitely looking at this stuff, and, and it's been great. Keep the stuff coming. Get on the website. Uh, go check out the training. 15 bucks, man. It's the cheapest thing you could do. It's less than a box of ammo. $15, and you get all these lessons and fundamentals and stuff we're talking about in a video form. You can watch, read it, and see it in video instead of just hearing us talk about it. If, if you're really into it, but you, you want another outlet without because you can't make a class, Online training, sniper side form, under upgrades, $15 a month. There's 60, 70 videos in there. Like I said, I just put one up today, um, and, and it's something to look at. And it's all you got to do is see upgrade, click on it, and you're there. All righty. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the Everyday Sniper.